Hi, and welcome to Are We Europe? Today you're listening to a story from our latest magazine, The Queer Issue. Queer Stories in Pastel Paperbacks. Written and read by Thomas Riles. I have a confession to make. Having a literature degree from one of the top universities in the UK, I haven't read a single book written for adults in over three years. Despite being 27, I nearly exclusively consume young adult fiction, often abbreviated as YA, novels allegedly written for people 10 years younger than me. Those who know me aren't surprised. I have purple hair and I am known for my childishness. Pop psychology would put this down to Peter Pan syndrome, the inability to grow up, which is not medically recognised and is rooted more in urban legend than anything else. The idea goes that because of some kind of trauma, a person does not progress past their teenage psychology and lives their life thinking they are the boy that never grew up. It is often attributed to queer people because we're frequently denied normal teenage rituals like dating or were forced to come out which can be traumatic in itself. But I'm not so interested in the adventures of the tight-swearing fairy boy from Neverland. My bookshelves, instead, are mainly filled with books by Patrick Ness, Dean Atter and Juno Dawson. In their pages, I've discovered an alternative to the Peter Pan theory. What if queer people aren't the product of their own trauma? A broken part in an otherwise close-to-perfect system. But it's actually the system that's broken. And queer people have merely found a way to thrive in it. An embarrassing imagination. I remember reading Patrick Ness's novel Release at the age of 24 and being shocked at the way it explored the intimacy between two queer boys. It felt tender and somehow unscathed by the self-hatred that society instills in so many young men. There's a tender moment where one of the boys says, I'm sorry I'm a little hefty. And his partner reassuringly replies, I'm not. I was also a fat teenager and I was so rarely considered desirable by other queer men. In the novel, one can feel the pounding insecurities felt by so many teenagers and the protagonist's expectation that his body will be met with disgust until the worry dissipates in one moment of acceptance. It feels like a rare relief. The rest of the scene doesn't pull any punches. It's a raw exploration of young love and the word penetration unapologetically comes up several times. Faced with a gaping lack of relationship, consent and sex education for LGBTQ plus people, we often turn to other sources like pornography to learn about these things. There are some less toxic adult film creators, but generally the mainstream pornography that young queer men manage to access shows a version of sex that is fuelled by rippling muscles, blurred boundaries and brutality. We go on to recreate this kind of sex throughout our lives, in the stories we see and tell, with adult queer TV so often featuring violent but exciting sex. I had learnt growing up that two men could have sex, but I hadn't learnt anything about how two men might have soft intimacy until I read that novel. It's because of this reality that I don't think the scene could have existed in a book written for adults. A phrase the novel repeats is, please don't leave me unloved. This would be considered too on the nose for an adult novel. It's too romantic or too soft. But in YA fiction, the rules are different. As children, we run around and play in our imagination. 
eye, for instance, for a crop top, braces, and side ponytail were the height of fashion for about two years, because I was obsessed with pretending I was the cartoon character Misty from Pokemon. As we become adults, we're expected to suppress this imagination, and instead act responsibly. You don't see many industry leaders going about their life pretending to be Pokemon gym leaders. Instead of imagining the world as it might be, a mark of adulthood is that we can see the world as it is. But the reality of the world isn't always kind to us queer people. We can't always trade in our ability to imagine how the world might be, because that's how we work towards our liberation. It's thanks to a queer person's vision that I can now get married or adopt children. When a YA novel comes out that is too romantic, because it imagines a version of the world that is different to the one we know, I'm not embarrassed. I am drawn to it. The scene from release is a world away from the kind of relationships I was having at that age, unequipped with the knowledge I wish I'd been given about sex and relationships. But the imagination used to create it is very familiar. Leave Rebellion at the Door. Dean Atter's novel The Black Flamingo opens with the line, this book is a fairy tale in which I am the prince and the princess. At no point in the book does the author entertain the idea that this might have any basis in how the world is. It is more concerned with how the world might be. Men are sandcastles made out of pebbles and the bucket is patriarchy. If you remove it, we fear we won't be able to hold ourselves together. We pour in cement to fill the gaps to make ourselves concrete constructions. This sentence is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the beautiful and forensic examination of gender norms the novel offers us. Much more complex and nuanced than any of the books I was required to read at university. Its critique of male identity feels too overtly radical to be found in a novel for grown-ups. Stories for young people are often afforded more freedom in terms of the way they critique society. Toy Story is a metaphor for unionisation. Frozen is about the power of chosen family. Wally is an essay on how consumerism will destroy humanity. In these films, novels and fairy tales, we tell the stories of individuals and collectives coming together to change the world they live in, in a way we don't see in adult media created for mature audiences. The Avengers films, for instance, are about defeating individual villains not about creating systemic change. This trend may not be accidental. What if we contain radical and rebellious ideas in narratives only for young people as a way to show them that they will eventually grow out of them? This separation strengthens the myth that as we become adults, we must conform to the system instead of trying to subvert it. My life feels rebellious a lot of the time. Some things are simple, like the looks I get out of the corner of people's eyes when I walk into a room dressed in a jumpsuit instead of trousers and a shirt. Some things that are less simple. Like going to work on a Monday explaining that I spent my weekend campaigning for trans youth to have equal access to publicly funded healthcare. Adulthood has the same expectation of my queerness that it did my childhood. That rebellion is left outside before you enter. The way YA embraces overt rebellion without wrapping it in the pleasantries and compromise of adult narratives feels closer to how I live my life. The Courage to be Loved. The most recent addition to my bookshelf is What's the Tea by Juno Dawson. It's not a YA novel as such, but more of a guide to all things trans and non-binary, predominantly aimed at young people. 
Juno is one of the most visible trans women in the UK right now, and the undisputed queen of queer YA. She's written several global bestsellers, including Clean and This Book is Gay, and is also a screenwriter, journalist, columnist, and actress. What's the Tea itself is a practical and accessible dive into everything from notable trans people in history to navigating the modern healthcare system as a non-binary person. It even has a section about sex, relationships and consent. Alongside the incredibly helpful factual content, there are also touching emotional reassurances, like an illustration in the section on love and romance reminding the reader, you are lovable. The validating messages feel like they're doing some of the most important work. Reminding queer people they're loved in a time when homophobia and transphobia are on the rise across Europe is especially important. During the 2020 elections in Poland, the Polish president regularly repeated he would defend children from LGBT ideology. Growing up as an LGBTQ plus child, where the leader of your country is suggesting your friends need to be defended from you, fosters the opposite of feelings of self-love. Even I, as an adult, take comfort in these reminders. I asked Juno if she thought about the adult experience of reading the book. She said, I never write with anyone in mind except my 15-year-old self. Writing for an audience composed of only me means I don't worry about disappointing anyone. With What's the Tea in particular, I wanted to speak directly to trans and non-binary youth as they're spoken over constantly. Decisions affecting the health and well-being of young trans and non-binary people are more often than not decided by cisgender adults. The UK, for instance, recently imposed restrictions on the way young trans people can access appropriate healthcare for gender dysphoria. This was largely decided by people who have no experience or knowledge of what this means to the people involved. Fuck, back to the beginning. Decisions affecting the health and well-being of young trans and non-binary people are more often than not decided by cisgender adults. The UK, for instance, recently imposed restrictions on the way young trans people can access appropriate healthcare for gender dysphoria. This was largely decided by people who have no experience or knowledge of what this means for the people involved. Juno's bravery to challenge how young trans people are spoken over gives me a feeling of liberation. No author could have told trans young people that they are lovable in a mass-produced paperback when I was a teenager 10 years ago. For me, the book symbolises the long and hard work of queer liberation movements that have fought for this level of trans visibility. Looking forward, imagination, rebellion and liberation are the things I find in YA novels that I often feel are missing in novels for adults. They prove to me, and many others, that we're not broken, but simply haven't learnt to leave these euphoric feelings behind in our childhoods. This is why I haven't read any adult novels in years. LGBTQ plus people have existed throughout history, albeit by other names, and have always found ways to tell their stories. I wonder if YA might be the next evolution and how we pass on our knowledge from generation to generation. The fact that even with the current backdrop of rising censorship, homophobia and transphobia, the books I've mentioned here are still published and consumed by many, seems to suggest so. YA novels are not considered the height of political radicalism. They're not thought of as key ways to distribute information amongst marginalised communities. But maybe they could be. They hide in plain sight in most bookshops and tell stories that offer radical visions of how the world might be. Did you like listening to this story? Dive into all our readouts from this issue or previous ones or listen to our narrative Are We Europe stories wherever you get your earful of audio right now. And don't forget, 
You can also become an Are We Your member and connect with storytellers across the continent starting at four euros a month. Just go to areweeurope.com slash member and help us build a new media for a changing continent. That's areweeurope.com slash member.